Hi, welcome to the Career Refresh Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Griffin. I'm a former media and marketing executive turned career strategist and executive coach. I spent my career working my way up and through the ranks of global organizations and startups. And today I show others how to do the same. Join me each week as we discuss the strategies and actionable steps to leverage your strengths, increase your confidence, and develop your career well-being. Ready? Let's do it. Hey there, and welcome back. I wanted to dig in today on a way of being that I have found super interesting and I've been really curious about recently. And it's understanding where it comes from, when it's useful, when to avoid it so that you don't become HR's latest hit of what not to do. It's called self-deprecation or more specifically for this podcast, self-deprecating humor. Self-deprecating humor is simply when you're being self-critical, you make fun of yourself in a modest way. It can be very unassuming and it can make the self-deprecating joker seem friendlier more trustworthy. When they use this communication style to disclose negative information about themselves, it tends to land a little better. Brene Brown, Sarah Fay, Chelsea Handler, they have continued to use this communication style brilliantly, and it keeps them relatable in spite of tremendous success and fame. Self-deprecation, though, is really a bit of an art, and to do it well, it takes a high level of awareness. Self-awareness is compelling. It's the appeal of humility. It's an insight into humanity. It puts others at ease. And I've been drawn to people, successful people, especially who use self-deprecating humor because it always puts me at ease, which I find so interesting. And it's interesting because no one can make me feel anything. I have a thought that makes me feel something. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more later, but it's so interesting that I have found that I'm less anxious when I'm around someone who's cracking a self-deprecating joke. I feel that they're more relatable. They tend to be trustworthy. I find them authentic. And it was really always a a sort of leveling, right? As if, if I could see them as normal, foibles and all, then there could be a path to my success for my imperfect self. When someone is able to tap in and identify that messy human experience through humor, it can be really appealing. Comedians have relied on this style of humor for their success, I think, forever. And according to Harvard Business Review, humor in the professional environment definitely builds trust and relationships. It influences behaviors and attitudes, things like employee performance, job satisfaction, organizational commitment, creativity. And basically, we like funny people. The key here is to capture the benefit of the humor while avoiding the downside of the poorly landed joke, right? Context when it comes to self-deprecating humor totally matters. The payoff for making a per- for the person making the self-deprecating joke is that laughter can be a moment of acknowledgement. It's being seen, heard, understood, and it helps you capture the attention of others. Laughing at your imperfections may allow you to also recognize them and really begin to accept them. And in some cultures, self-deprecating humor is used as a tool to keep yourself humble and to stay part of the gang, part of the crowd, and to not be othered. 
A self-aware joke can diffuse an awkward situation, no doubt, and it makes you more approachable to your peers, it can be relatable to your team, and it's all good. But I love to study people, and what I'm interested in is when self-deprecating humor is used as a convenient barrier between your thoughts and your feelings. While I'm a sucker for a good laugh, when I hear a self-deprecating joke, my ears prick up. I'm always wondering why the person is sort of taking the piss out of themselves, and it makes me stop and wonder. I want to ask them a million questions, but we're usually in a social situation, and I tend to try not to be weird. (laughs) So in the broad terms, a joke is a sentence, right? And that thought That joke came from a thought and everything starts with a thought. Our basic universal truth is that our thoughts create our feelings, our feelings create our actions, and ultimately our actions create our results. Lasso, Gandhi, even the Bible have all made references to what you think you become. So in this case, if you are using self-deprecating humor, which is a thought as a way to express yourself, What are you really trying to say and are you doing it to control the opinions and thoughts of others? So let's say you make a joke about your work performance, but in the case of self-deprecating humor, are you using the humor to acknowledge and get ahead of the thought that you are uncomfortable about some aspect of your own work? Or are you using it to make your own flaw known again so that you can almost take Like there's a leveling and you can take that away so that others can't beat you to the punch and you're not coming from your back foot um, if someone makes a comment back to you, right? Self-deprecating humor can be used to create connection, relatability, and I've also seen it create strains in working teams. So I have a client, Tyson, and I totally have his permission to talk about this, who uses self-deprecating humor And he's used it for as long as he can remember. He says it's always been his go-to tool. It helps him fit in. It helps him put others at ease. And he was recently promoted to be the head of his department, promoted from within. And he's a really talented guy. His management team has continually to convey they have their full confidence in his ability. He's definitely well-liked by his teammates and direct reports. And he mentioned in a session recently that he felt like he had created tension and awkwardness in his team. And it happened recently at one of his stand-up updates. So for anyone not familiar, a stand-up update is about a 15-minute daily meeting where a team gets together to focus on a core project issue um, to celebrate a success or if they need to pivot and get everybody like in a huddle quickly. In the before times, (laughs) I call the before times of COVID, When we were in offices, stand-up meetings were usually, you know, literally that, held in a quick huddle, everyone standing, getting to the information fast. And it can be a super productive way um, when a team is working really fast to build a product um, or do a tech update. And now today, most of these conversations are being held on Zoom or Teams, but they are just as focused and as quick. So back to his stand-up update. When I dug in a bit more to get clarity on what exactly he said, it was most definitely a self-deprecating joke. And he said that the joke fell flat. He says he actually recalls hearing an audible gasp from somebody and that he heard verbal sighs from his team and nonverbal eye rolls. And internally, he started to think, I shouldn't have said that. And then he became really panicky and uncomfortable. 
From there, he found himself stumbling over his words and rushing to the end of the meeting just to get out of what he described as total humiliation. So unpacking what happened here is that Tyson made a self-deprecating joke about his leadership style and his core skills, the essential skills he would need to use pretty much every hour in order to fulfill his responsibilities and lead his team. And all the things his team needs to rely on, especially in a working from home environment, right? So we don't actually know his team's thoughts. It's very possible that Tyson's joke about him lacking some core skills, which are a requirement of the job, compounded with the new promotion, led the team to feel a bit rudderless and lack trust in Tyson's competence. So Tyson told me that he really just wants to be one of the crew. He loves the job. He loves the promotion. But at times he's uncomfortable being elevated because he misses his team and he misses his friends within the team. And like many of us, he's under enormous pressure to perform and deliver. He also mentioned that he's currently separated from his wife and they're trying to work it out, but he's got lots of thoughts going on, lots and lots of thoughts that he's been trying to avoid. And he said, overall, like the theme for him has been lonely. So he started to have thoughts like, I don't want to make them feel I don't want to let them down, which made him feel anxious. He had a thought that he was no longer one of the team, which, you know, since this team has been his colleagues and his friends for many years, he started to feel lonely and othered. And he also said that, like, he he, he wasn't really sure how to work through this, but he was noticing that his confidence was taking a hit. And working with him on his confidence has been a big opportunity where he has been able to change his behavior. So confidence is so often misunderstood. Confidence really comes from knowing that you can experience anything and get through it, right? It's it's when we know we can get through something, and even if that thing completely sucks, that you can come through the other side and our brain is less freaked out the next time we try something. And this is all based on evolutionary biology. Our brains are meant to protect us. So when we experience something new or we feel like we're in fear, our brain is going to go into a mode that gives us feelings like panic or anxiety or feeling stressed, right? That is totally normal. And it again, like I said, it's based on evolutionary biology. Nothing has gone wrong with you. You think confidence comes from doing things. And sometimes doing something can help a little bit with building confidence, but the doing is an action. And confidence comes from your thoughts. You can't solve a thought problem with an action. It never works. You end up always chasing the next action so that it makes you feel better, that you can feel differently. You think that action, mastering it is going to give you confidence. It's not. I promise you, it's not going to do it. What is going to increase your confidence is looking and investigating and working around your thoughts around the thing that you want to do. We build confidence through our thoughts. You use your thoughts to create a feeling that inspires you into action. I didn't know this early on. I thought confidence was something that you had at birth or you didn't. And confidence, again, is less about doing and more about knowing, thinking. Confidence, it's not gifted at birth. It's built through thinking, experiencing, pivoting, 
living, thinking, deciding, right? It's that choosing our thoughts on purpose and experiencing the corresponding feelings is what builds confidence. So self-deprecating humor in the workplace can work and can be very effective as long as you're not making the joke around the core thing that you are required to do. Please, people, do not make the joke around the whole reason why you were employed. If a surgeon joked that they had a very wobbly hand, or a developer said they were terrible at writing code, or if I made a joke that I was a terrible listener as a coach, would you be clamoring to work with any of these people if they made these jokes around their core skills? Makes you a little unsettled and a little uncomfortable. And this is the kind of self-deprecating humor that I beg you to stop using. Another cautionary thought on self-deprecating humor is that it can lead you down a path of negative thinking. The thing is, when you repeat negative thoughts about yourself over and over, you're basically practicing them and you're getting really good at thinking negatively about yourself. Alternatively, when you practice thoughts of appreciation and respect for yourself, that's what you get really good at thinking. So how do you know if your self-deprecating humor is an issue? Here are a couple of ways you can check yourself. You may want to grab pen and paper, but I will also put these questions in the show notes. So a few things to notice. One, your jokes fall flat. You may start to feel uncomfortable and like replaying the gaff in your head throughout the day. Your humor dampens the mood and you can see others verbal and nonverbal response. Like they may visibly look away. They may roll their eyes. They may appear to look visibly uncomfortable. Another way is that, um, If you find yourself in a culture which is not about acknowledging or celebrating wins, because that can feel like braggy, so that you use self-deprecating humor as the way to pander for attention, and when you do that, you know, it starts to feel icky because you're like graspy for attention. And then the other two ways is that I can think of is that um, you do it when you're alone, so like you're home and you like make the joke to yourself. Or you actually start believing the punchline to be true, okay? So I love to unpack thoughts. And when you start thinking about, like, so those are the signs that you might be doing it too much or that it might be an issue. And here's some questions you might want to ask yourself so that you can think about how you want to continue to use this tool or not. How do you feel after you said the joke? Were you able to move on from it if it didn't land? And were you able to focus and concentrate and continue the conversation or were you obsessing over your thoughts and what you believe to be other people's responses based on the joke that you said? Um, How did you respond when that one colleague laughed a little too loudly at your self-deprecating joke, right? Did it sit with you in some way? Is there something about your personality or skill set that you believe should be different? And if so, what is that? Also, how is self-deprecating humor a form of people-pleasing? And look, people-pleasing is the biggest lie because you are doing something for another so that they will believe or think something about you. And that's a complete lie because it's totally inauthentic. 
I also would love to know when was the last time you gave equal time to articulating your strengths about yourself to others versus just being in that self-deprecating humor and looking at the criticism for yourself. The intention with these questions is to look at yourself in a completely new way. When you're able to do that, it changes the way you feel about yourself and ultimately then can change the results that you have in your life. Remember that using humor can be a great tool to build trust and be relatable to your colleagues, but you have to watch when you use your self-deprecating humor. When you make a joke about a skill or a generalization, but not about your core competency or the job requirement, the self-deprecating humor goes over so much better and you'll achieve the attended purpose of the joke. You'll build trust and influence and you'll create a stronger relationship with your colleagues. I beg you not to use it around your core skills, your core competency, or your role sort of what you were hired to do, because that is then where you'll start to cause that mistrust and fracture amongst your teammates. So that's what I got for now. I'd love to hear what you think. Follow Jill Griffin Coaching on Instagram. We can chat there. Let me know. And I'll put these questions in the show notes. So take care, everyone. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Career Refresh Podcast. If you're enjoying this and you want more information, go to my website, jillgriffincoaching.com. There you can find information on how to work with me one-on-one or my group programs, or even bring me into your workplace. I'll put the link to my website in the show notes. But hey, listen, before you go, do me a favor, rate and review this podcast because it definitely helps me get the word out to people everywhere so that they can also thrive in the workplace. All right, friends, I appreciate you. I'll see you soon.